Good morning, Christian Family Chapel. Glad you're here. Put your hand up if you have hosted a Power Up Club in the past. Over in South as well, put a hand up. Keep them up so people can look around. Uh, I, what I want you to see is there's a lot of folks who have done it, and I think the vast majority of them, keep your hands up, I see, yeah, the vast majority of them would say it was a great experience. So I want you to see those because you may go, I want to ask them, what was that really, really like? Uh, the great news is kids love to do power-up clubs more than they like to be interviewed about power-up clubs. <laughs> Did you notice that one? Yeah, they really love power-up clubs. So if you haven't done it, ask some folks. It really is a tremendous opportunity to, to not say to our community, hey, come and see, come and see, but for us to be able to go and tell about the good news of Jesus. So uh, out in the courtyard, you can sign up. You can ask questions. We are, at this point, we have more teenagers who want to serve than adults who want to host. So adults, can we turn that one around a bit, folks? That seems a little strange, isn't it, that, that the teenagers would be spiritually outpacing the adults? So we need some more folks who would say, I will get on board and open up my front yard and turn on my hose and provide some snacks. All right, so see Becky, go by the courtyard and let us know you'll host a, a club at your house this summer. So I don't know how your week has been since Easter, big week for us. We were excited most of all because of this little guy uh, since Easter morning. Uh, this little guy was born. This is our first son, oldest son Clayton, and now his first son Tate. So you have Clayton Douglas Rutt and now Tate, Tatum Douglas Rutt. And so uh, very, very exciting. That's grandchild number six for Jackie and I. We are doing our part in being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth. But it made me ask this question. Why does God say to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply? You ever ask yourself that question? Why did he want them to be fruitful and multiply? You know, so many of you are looking like, no, never asked myself that question. Never really wondered that. It's a great question, actually. Why would he want Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply? Let me tell you why. Because everything on this planet that God created, he spoke into existence, except humanity. That was different. He took dirt that he had spoken into existence, created it, in the image of God and then breathed into Adam the breath of life. And the scripture says that he created male and female in his image. So we like, no offense to your dog, but like nothing else on the planet, we reflect the image of God. And therefore, his intent was that they would be fruitful and multiply. In other words, they would have... Kids who would have kids who would have kids who would have kids and those kids would grow up and have kids and they would spread across the earth so that the earth would be filled with the glory of God by people created the image of God who love God and are one with God would fill the earth with his glory. That's why he said be fruitful and multiply. But then Adam and Eve sinned. They broke the relationship with God that was intended to be one. They did their own thing. They rebelled against God. And in that separation, 
they were fruitful and they did multiply, but they did not fill the earth with the glory of God. You know what Genesis says they filled the earth with? Violence. They were fruitful and God looked at the world and he said, I created it to be filled with my glory and it's filled with violence. You know what he did? He sent the flood that reduced humanity back to eight people. And those eight people were fruitful and multiplied and filled the earth with violence again. With people who had said, I don't want to make a name for God. I want to make a name for ourselves. And so it wasn't until, if you can capture this, it wasn't until God took on human flesh and lived among us and lived in perfection, in holiness, and put on display what it means to be in perfect relationship with the Heavenly Father. And in his perfection said, in obedience to my Father, I will offer my life as a sacrifice, as payment for the penalty that I and every one of you deserve, we deserve the wrath of God because we participate in filling the earth with violence. And he took the penalty we deserve upon himself. So that as we celebrated last week, his death on the cross was payment for our penalty. He was buried because he died in our place. And then he was raised from the dead. So that whoever would believe in him, who is our sin bearer, whoever would believe in him would be taken from broken relationship to God to restored relationship with God. And now in restored relationship with God, what can I do? I can fill that portion of the earth in which I live with the glory of God. And what was said now to Adam and Eve, don't miss me, what was said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth now as a redeemed person and a redeemed marriage, I can say, Jackie, let us be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth it's because all our kids will be perfect. <laughs> Not. I, I hate to speak badly about my grandson here, but Tate was born like this separated from God. The only way that any person who is born can actually fulfill their created purpose of filling the portion of the earth in which they occupy with the glory of God is not if they are born, but if they are born again. That they are born again in new life in Jesus. So I say all that for this. To us as believers, we have in our ears this morning, and, and I hope this will genuinely reorient our lives dramatically over the next six weeks as we look at First Thess 2 and 3, because we are going to hear with, I hope, absolute clarity, the words that God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. That we as redeemed believers would say, we are going to be fruitful and multiply. Not meaning we're going to have a bunch of kids. But what? We are going to 
give our lives to seeing people who are born filling the earth with violence to be born again. You see, you and I fill the earth with the glory. We're fruitful and multiply by filling the earth with the glory of God again, not by birthing babies, but by seeing people be born again. So therefore, and this will potentially dramatically for some of you, radically reorient your thinking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means to be spiritually mature, what it means to be one who says, I want to be a part of what God is doing in this world. Spiritual maturity, when I finally really see it through the lens of God, spiritual maturity is revealed when Jesus says to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, what? I am with you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, he was saying to his disciples, all who believe in me will be born again, and they can now fill the earth with the glory. So your role as my disciples is to make disciples. Did you hear me? Your role now as my disciples is to, say it, make disciples. That is how we live out what God continues to say, be fruitful and multiply. Not by birthing babies, but by people being born again. And so, with absolute clarity, I hope we'll understand that spiritual maturity is revealed not in Bible knowledge, not in hours in prayer, not in church attendance. Spiritual maturity is revealed when a disciple multiplies himself, when a disciple makes a disciple. That's spiritual maturity. If for nothing else, see it this way, that Jesus made disciples who did what? Who made disciples. And so if we are going to be like Christ, then we are to be ones who will make disciples who make disciples. Now, that's the work, but I want you to understand it's because God had intended that birth would fill the earth with his glory. But because of sin... It's only by rebirth that the earth can be filled with his glory. So to be fruitful and to multiply is to be a part of seeing this incredible transformation happen in a person's life where here's what takes place. They multiply. They become a disciple who, say it, makes disciples. That, that is what Christian Family Chapel, that is what the head of this church, Jesus Christ, wants from you who call yourself disciples. That you would say, I get it, I get it, I get it. My role is, yes, I want to study the scriptures. Yes, I want to spend time in prayer. Yes, I want to have fellowship with one another. But that is not the end goal. Those are all parts to a multiplication work of being a disciple who makes a disciple 
who, who shares in this transformational process of a person going from, this whole process of a person going from spiritually dead. See, because every single person, including my grandson Tate, every person begins physically alive but spiritually dead. Dead in their trespasses, dead in their sins. And that discipleship, that work of making disciples is seeing people who are spiritually dead come alive, grow up, and make disciples multiply. Someone going from spiritually dead to spiritually multiplying. I'm going to say it multiple times this morning. I hope you'll capture. God's intention from Genesis has not changed. His intention for humanity is be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis 1, it began with have kids and fill the earth. Right now, it's have kids, spiritual kids. See people born, be born again who then are born again, who can grow up and see other people be born again. Disciple-making is this entire process. So uh, for some of you, this will be new. Others of you, what I'm about to share will be reviewed. But th- at the core of what we, how we understand disciple-making here at the chapel, we use a couple of objects that help us see the process. I didn't make them up. They come straight out of Scripture. The first is a coffin. And we pick a coffin simply because, like Ephesians 2 says, you are dead in your trespasses and sin. Physically alive, but spiritually dead. Spiritually dead because why? Because you were made for a relationship with God, but sin has separated you from him. So every person begins in a coffin. It's what's weird. We think about life ending in a coffin, but spiritually speaking, life begins in a coffin. Dead in our trespasses and sin. But the second stage is that the dead person comes alive. And they move from spiritually dead to a crib. From a coffin to a crib where they are now not spiritually dead. But the Bible describes them as an infant in Christ. That's how Paul talks about them in 1 Corinthians 3. That they were, you were infants in Christ. And there's nothing wrong with being an infant in Christ. Anybody who first trusts in Jesus, they're an infant. We all start as children. And I totally understand and I'm good with children acting like children. What's maddening though? When adults who should no longer be children act like children. You don't like that? And that's not what God intends for his people either. He intends for people who are dead to be born again and those children to grow up, to move from a crib. Hey, it's it's good to start in a crib. It's bad to stay in a crib. You intend to move them from the crib to the place where the family gathers at the table. And that that process may be, hey, it goes from a high chair to a booster seat to then the big boy chair, the big girl chair. 
But the table represents the fact that we are a family and we are intended to experience life together. We're a family, and we care for one another. I care for you. You care for me. I pray for you. You pray for me. I help you. You help me. It's mutual. Hey, I'll pass you the lima beans. You pass me the meatloaf. It's the we serve one another. We help one another. We care for one another. And if you're tracking with the imagery here from coffin to crib to table, the table's a great place. It's an awesome place. It's where community happens. But you know what doesn't happen at the table? Multiplication doesn't happen at the table. This is why this is so, in some sense, difficult for us to get a hold of. We think, we think oh man, I've grown up. And so, man, I, I'm here. I've arrived at the table. I'm caring for one. I'm being careful. This is awesome. But multiplication never happens at the table. For multiplication to happen, to really grow up, you go, oh, as much as I enjoy this, I grew up for a reason. I grew up for the sake of moving from the table to what we simply call the stove. Now, why do we call it the stove? Because the stove is the place of disciple-making. And we call it the stove, the disciple-making. If you can track with the image, around the table... All believers around the table, great love for one another. Around the table, great fellowship because I love you and you love me. But you know, if you have ears to hear it at the table, you begin to hear babies crying in the nursery. And if you have the nose to smell it at the table, you begin to smell that there are dead people on the street. And you kind of look around and go... Who's going to get the baby? You ever done that one in real life? Who's getting the baby? Because I'd like to stay right here. And maturity is to go, let me go up, get the bread of life from the stove and take it to those in the coffin. Because they're the ones that need the bread of life. Oh, and, and let me get up from the table and warm up the milk of the word and take it to the crib. And let me get up from the table because, man, we love the feast, but it's, who's making this? Let me get up from the table and, and prepare the meat of the word and bring it back to the table. You see? You see what happens there? <laughs> That's dramatic. And this is why, this is why we're going to give multiple weeks to 1 Thessalonians 2 and 3, because it is so easy to love Jesus and love one another and love the church and get stuck at the table. Well, sometimes we get stuck in the crib because it's kind of cool in the crib. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody comes feed you. And somebody comes clean you. You just complain and people do stuff for you. That's the church, huh? Yeah, just complain and then get people to do stuff. Some of us get stuck in the crib. But often, after a while, people go, okay, I should stop acting like a baby. If that's a word from the Lord for you, take it, please. Stop acting like a baby. I need to grow up. But then you get stuck at the table. And we fall short of 
filling the earth with the glory of God because we never multiply. We never go, earth is actually filled with violence. Earth is filled with brokenness. Earth is streets filled with marriages that are falling apart. My work is filled with with guys who are dying in their own, own foolishness. I need to get up from what I love here and go deliver bread of life and go deliver milk of the word and go deliver. You, you tracking with me? You see, I'm going to say it again. The word to Adam and Eve is still the word you and I. Be fruitful and multiply. To them, it was give birth. To us, it's what? <laughs> Help people be born again. Make disciples. So we're going to do this from 1 Thess 2 and 3 because it's Paul telling us his story of how he multiplied in Thessalonica. It's a great story. 1 Thess 2, if you haven't turned to it, turn there with me. And let's just clarify. Before we read the first the opening verses in chapter 2, answer this question for me. When he went to Thessalonica... Of the spiritual conditions possible, coffin crib, table, stove, what were all the people in Thessalonica? What spiritual condition were they in? They were all in the coffin. They had never heard about life in Jesus. They were simply a part of people who had been born and were filling the earth with violence in some way. They were not filling the earth with the glory of God. So what's Paul do? Now let's read. For you yourselves know, brother, in chapter 2, verse 1, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, what was he doing in Philippi? (laughs) Multiplying, right? After that, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. So because he went to a group that they were all in the coffin, in order for them to be born again, to move to the crib, he knew very clearly To multiply began with speaking the gospel in power. He went and he spoke the gospel in power. Remember this little guy? Our pizza box? He delivered the gospel to him. He said, not in word only, but definitely in word. We see it again here. He delivered to him. He spoke the gospel. He delivered it in words, in power, by the Holy Spirit, with full conviction. Those were the four things we saw in chapter one. He delivered the gospel with words, in power, by the Holy Spirit, with full conviction. And by God's grace, people heard... And I say by God's grace because dead people don't hear very well. You ever notice that? By God's grace, people dead in their sins heard the words of the gospel and they repented. Remember, they turned from their idols and their religious practice. They believed in the Jesus that Paul declared to them and they received the gift of eternal life. Now, what you're going to see, you're going to see those four stages. You're going to have a line below. It's the work of the disciple making. The line above, this, like this, repent, believe, receive, is the process of 
being discipled, of growing as a disciple. The only way you move in your own personal journey out of the coffin and into the crib, the only way you are born again, the only way you who are spiritually dead come alive is if you will repent of your sin, believe in Jesus, and receive the free gift of eternal life. It's not what you do for him. It's trusting in what he has done for you. For all who will repent, believe, and receive, they will move from dead to alive. And that happened in Thessalonica. And Paul went, yes! And then he got out of town. No, he didn't. Because the role is to make disciples. And the first step of making a disciple is declaring the gospel so that some would believe, repent, believe, and receive. Now, here's the, here's the funny part. People would go, if you've been in church for a while, you may go, no, 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 that's not discipleship, Doug. Discipleship is when you help a, a believer in Christ grow up in Jesus. This is, this is evangelism. That's not discipleship. What did Jesus say? Go and make disciples, baptizing them. Well, who would you baptize? <laughs> Only people who had repented, believed, and received. Think of it this way. Uh, what is parenting? Having kids or raising kids? <laughs> well, some of us go, oh, I like the having kids part. And others go, I hate the having kids. I'll take the raising kids part. But what is parenting? It's having kids and raising kids. It's the whole process. What's discipleship? It's seeing dead people come alive and seeing alive people grow up to multiply. You follow that? That's the full process. So they heard, they believed, and Paul didn't leave. Why not? Because he had children. So don't be surprised about what it says now in verse 7. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Isn't that awesome? Why is, he, why is Paul acting like that? Because they are infants in Christ. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. For you were called, brother, in our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. See, he's talking about what he did for them as unbelievers and then what he did for them as believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging you and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. You see, he said, uh, the disciple-making process is helping dead people come to life in Jesus and then helping infants in Christ grow up. And so, he helped them grow up by saying, I declared the gospel, and then I stayed as a mom and a dad, and I taught you the word of God in love, because it is the word of God, folks. It is the word of God applied by the spirit of God that brings about the change of God in an individual's life. 
This, this is, this book is why we are so committed to week in and week out here at the chapel. Teach the scriptures because in declaring the scriptures, you not only hear the gospel that will allow you to move from death to life. By teaching the scriptures, you are able to move from an infant in Christ to maturity, to growing up, to no longer stay a child. And so he said, I delivered you to the gospel and I also gave you the word. But you remember this? They, they specifically, what did it say? They received the word. Because just sitting here won't change you. Because you can let it bounce off you, you remember? You can sidestep it and let it hit somebody else. You can bat it down in disagreement. The word of God won't automatically change you. There is a receiving of the word of God in humility, the scripture says, in humbly receiving it. I'm hungry for it. I need it. This is life. And when you receive, so I'm so glad you're here this morning, quite frankly, that when you come to receive the word, it will grow you up. It will. And when we neglect the word, what happens? We stay in the crib. We stay immature. If I have a burden in our present culture, let me, let me have your ears here. If I have a burden in our present culture, it's the casualness by which we treat the word of God, the casualness. You've heard me say this multiple times. The casualness by which we give ourselves to placing ourselves under the word of God. It's the casualness by which you attend. What I see is this. I see parents far more committed to never miss a soccer game, a football game, or a volleyball game, and quick to skip church to make that happen. Now, I'm not telling you attendance to church gets you in heaven. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying you're not going to grow up apart from the word of God renewing your mind. And I just, I look back, I didn't like it as a kid, but I'm pretty grateful that my parents said, uh, if little midget football, which tells you what age I was, little midget football means football games at 11 o'clock, we're not doing that, Doug. Because at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings, we're in in church. It's quite frankly one of the reasons, though, we started the Thursday night service. I just want to tell you again, we started the Thursday night service because our culture is filled with weekend warriors and workers. And so for the person who's gone, have other things that happen on the weekend, but I don't want to neglect the transforming work of the word of God in my life. You know, I'll be there on Thursday night. That's why we do it. Weekend workers and wires, because we believe that the word of God will proclaim the gospel to you so that the dead could come alive and the word of God will grow you up so that the child will not remain a child. The child starts as a child, but is intended to mature in Christ. You with me? It all comes down to the decisions, the priorities we set in our life. What really, really matters? And so... He taught the word of God. 
so that this is what the, the above line, what would happen? Those who had repented, believed, and received, those who had been born again, would grow up in truth and love. That the word of God would bring them to maturity. That they would not stay as children. See, the, the scripture uses this, this analogy. And this is why it's so, so, man, I hope you've captured God's word to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, still rings true today. It's just a spiritual life instead of a physical life. It's no longer just being born. It's being born again. Being born again makes you a child. But Paul says to the Ephesians, we are no longer to be children. In other words, you start as children, don't stay as children. No, no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickier of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Every single one of us who live in Florida have seen little kids get pummeled by waves, just get rolled. And then dad sees it happen, runs out and grabs him and, and holds him in those same waves. Don't knock the dad over because he grew up. The waves are still the same, but the person changed. And spiritually, you're to be growing up so that all the lies that fill our culture and all the junk that people talk about, you go, oh, that doesn't blow me over anymore. That doesn't knock me off my faith. I am grown up. The stuff that used to throw me off doesn't throw me off. I am rooted and established in the scriptures because I have prioritized my receiving of the word of God. I'm no longer a child, but speaking the truth and love were to grow up in all aspects to grow up in your personal life, to grow up in your married life. How many of you came to the marriage conference this weekend? Let me see. Were you glad you came? Oh, man, I was. Jackie and I have a better marriage because the word of God implanted to us this way. It was really, 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 really good. Seriously, it was. Because it was rooted in the scriptures. We're growing up still, 32 years still growing up in our marriage growing up in our personal life, growing up in how we handle parenting. Some parents haven't grown up and they're parenting their kids like their kids. And they need the word of God. Kids don't do well married together. They need to grow up. See, you get the point. You see the analogy? grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. He's going, as you come to life and 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 you come to life, I'm going to form you into a body together and I'm going to give you a role and you a role and you a role and you a role and you a role so that you become a healthy functioning body together, growing up. So, the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Not to be kids. We're to grow up. We grow up as we speak and receive the truth in love. Now, 
When ultimately are we grown up? When are we mature? Remember? When we, when we multiply, when we make disciples. So there is, this is the kicker. I, I've shared it with you already. But there's this, man, we're growing. We're growing. I love this. We're growing. We're growing. And then we had a decision. How many of you have a recliner at your dining room table? Yeah, I haven't found anybody yet. I've never found anybody who has a recliner at their dining room table, except spiritually speaking in the church. People go, ah, this is so good. I got to get a more comfortable seat. Man, I got to kick back here. Can we angle it so I can bring it in? Could, Could we get a little more meat over here? And we pull the recliner to the table when, in fact, we were growing up in order to, <laughs> to get up from the table, to multiply, to invest in others. See, don't miss this. We were to grow up because kids make terrible parents. Right? We all know that. Kids aren't supposed to have kids. You've told your kids that. Kids don't have kids. You need to grow up. But at some point you go, okay, you're grown up. Start having the kids. Good friend of mine, he's like, come on, guys. Let's start having the kids. You're grown up now. See, kids don't make good parents. But the point of becoming grown up is in order to multiply, to to get up and invest in others. So I'm raised up to walk in newness of life so that I can now grow up in that newness of life so that I can then get up and invest that newness of life in others. Multiplying, filling the earth with the glory of God. Paul says it this way in 1 Thess 2, verse 12. So that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom. What is the walk worthy of the God who calls us? It is a multiplying walk. It is a walk that says, I've been built into, I'm going to get up and walk the bread of life to those who are still dead in their sins. I'm going to get up and walk the milk of the word to those who are infants in Christ. I'm going to get up and walk the meat of the scriptures to those who are growing so that they can get up themselves. You tracking with me? We're meant to multiply. And we're not walking in a manner worthy until we are up investing. Making disciples. Made to be a disciple, to make a disciple. And so Paul says it this way to his son. Do you know Paul had a son? No physical kids, I don't think. But he had a whole bunch of spiritual kids. And he had some favorites, it seems like. One of them was Timothy. He talks about 
his son, and he literally calls him that in the Bible, my son Timothy. Here's what one of the things he said to his son Timothy. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, you track that? He's going, Timothy, my son, I have bigger aspira aspirations than simply being a dad. I aspire to be a, at minimum, great-grandfather. I aspire that you, my son, will have sons who will invest in other sons. At, at minimum, I'm looking to be great-great-dad. And uh, he's been great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-granddad. Because some people got it in Christian Family Chapel. This is what I'm praying we'll get. That we will, we will with a fresh heart and attentiveness go, I am receiving in order to invest, to pass along. I, I am receiving. I am no longer a recliner at the table. I am receiving. See, I still come to the table, but I come to the table to get to get up to invest in others. And I'm not just going to be this boo, 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 Christian. All food, no activity. See, I'm not talking occupationally here. I'm not talking occupationally. I'm talking a lifestyle. A lifestyle that whatever you do, you are determined, I'm going to give away what I've been given. Given truth, I'm going to give away First Thessalonians 2 because I was given First Thessalonians 2. I'm going to share this with somebody else. Literally, I'm going to share this. I'm not going to get a room full of 400 people, but across the table, I'm going to go, hey, can I share with you what was shared with me about that you were made to multiply? You see, if we're going to do what Paul says here, we not only speak the gospel to the dead, we not only teach the word to the child so that they grow up, we involve ourselves in helping those who are maturing to become multiplying, to train them in, in this bless. You know what we mean by bless, I hope by now? To begin with prayer, to listen to the unbeliever, to eat with the unbeliever, to serve the unbeliever, to share his story and your story with the unbeliever, to train how to build up the believer, to, to be trained how to help the, the child to grow in maturity. This, this, folks, is multiplying. And let me say it again. The word God gave to Adam and Eve, still the word of the Lord to us today. Be fruitful and multiply. How? By making disciples, by seeing people be born again. Children grow up and adults invest in others, spiritually. Are you convinced? Are you convinced that this is what God wants for his disciples? Are you still having the back of your head, yeah, that's, that's for missionaries and for pastors. That's for the paid staff. No. Rescued to become a rescuer, a disciple to make disciples. You may still be wrestling. Here's good news. Ryan, next week, 
is going to look first Thess two first few verses again and show you again the motive behind becoming a multiplier. Some of you are going, oh, no, no, I'm convinced. I believe you, Doug. I'm just chicken. Really? You think I'm crazy when I say that? I think that's where a lot of us get stuck. No, I'm convinced. I've been convinced before I just, I'm just chicken, and so I don't dive in because I'm afraid. So could you remember this scripture for me? I'm the vine, Jesus, to his disciples. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Abide in me as I abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. It's almost like when he told his disciples, go and make disciples of all the nations. It's almost like he said he'd be with them if they did it. He did. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of that. In other words, any and every minute you will say, I'll abide. I'll do what he says, even though it scares me out of my mind. I'll do what he says in confidence that he'll do as he promised. He goes, I'm with you every second. Every second you're scared to speak, but speak. Every Every second you teach, but you're scared to teach. I will be with you. And you'll bear much fruit. You don't have to live a fruitless life. You don't have to live an isolated life. You can be fruitful and multiply and share in the work of filling the earth with the glory of God because the Spirit of God has promised. Does this sound familiar? Not that. This. I'm a child of God, forgiven and set free from slavery to sin. The Spirit of God lives in me to do the work of God through me. Does this make a little more sense now? I'm an instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. Make a little more sense now? So, Father, I pray with fresh clarity and new surrender we would yield ourselves to being fruitful and multiplying that we would engage with you in the incredible joy filled adventure of being a disciple who makes disciples regardless of our occupation Lord thank you for that incredible privilege I pray that in the coming days and coming weeks as we look at this again and see exactly what it means to be a disciple maker, you'd be our teacher. And Lord, we'd be fruitful. And your earth would be filled with your glory as it rightfully should. Thanks for the invitation to be instruments of God in this process. In Christ's name, amen. God bless. Thanks for being here. I hope you will prioritize being a part of the Word of God transforming you in the coming weeks. God bless.